Wow. Stevie, do you mind just stopping the blower? Everyone doing well? Well, one, one Monday morning, Monday's my Sabbath. I work on Sunday, and so, but I try to keep a Sabbath. And one Monday I was um, resting in. Heather had gone off to work. I had the place to myself. And just intentionally trying to slow my brain down, my all the busyness, who was in church, who wasn't in church, all that stuff that goes through your head Monday mornings. And As I laid there trying to get my heart out of that vein and into just a, a restful vein, and I, I just started to worship the Lord and sing to Him, and, and something happened as I was doing that. I just started playing back to Him all that he's done for me, because I, I came, I didn't come from zero, I came from like minus 500. I had nothing. I wasn't raised in a Christian home, didn't have any of those advantages at all. And so, the fact that God would grace me, and, and he didn't just give me a little grace, he gave me an abundance of grace. And so, from my heart, I, as I laid there, I just started to play back to him, <clears throat> All the different ways that he'd given to me and graced my life and how he blessed me from corner to corner, top to bottom, giving me so many remarkable things, blessing me in every way. And as I started playing it back to him, I got a little tipsy. I got a little drunk. I, I, my words were starting to slur because I, I, I just got that tipsy feeling that you get when the spirit is, is stirring you. And as I was doing this, all of a sudden I could see uh, a creative idea, maybe is a better way. It wasn't a vision that I saw with my eyes, but a creative idea came to me. And the idea was, uh, I'm, I'm a bit of an artist, and so I just drew the outline of a man in my mind that, that represented... Uh, Represented our spirit, and then I drew a soul, what I think a soul looks like, a body. We've been talking about that lately. And I just started writing on it. I just got a piece of acetate, plastic like this, and I just drew the outline of a soul. This is not the original. This is, you know, version 3.0 or whatever, but... I just took some plastic like this and I drew. And I began to write furiously. Let me just show you. Just like this, just writing all the things that God has given me. And then on that outline, you know, the scripture talks about manifold grace of God. So that means many colored. So I just took all these different colors and I put even more grace that I'd received. And the powerful baptism of the Spirit, all the grace, the gifts, the callings that God has put on me. And the armor of God, I'm so grateful for that. And I just started putting layer upon layer on acetate and I saw this being, and I, we'll show you the slides of it. I saw this being, 
which I began to see was the new man created in Christ Jesus for good works. And I caught a vision of the new man, and I looked at it, and I looked better than Darth Vader. I mean, I, I thought, no wonder the devil's afraid of me. It's not me. It's all the, all the things that God's incorporated in the new man. And so um, I thought I'd show you this morning. These are old slides. Again, they're not, I, tr I tried to update them last night, and these are web, web version of it. So Nels, do you want to take us through and see if we can make this work? There we go. He'll find that. So we are a three-part being. We are a spirit. We have a soul. And we live in a body. Yeah, you can just move that off. And... Uh, the spirit's called different things in the Bible. It's called the hidden man of the heart. It's called the new creation. Our old man is our flesh, our carnal nature, our self, iniquity. That's the names that all throughout the Bible describe that part of me. And I used to think that was me, and I, I've learned how to say that's not me. That's my flesh. Me, I'm born again. Me, I'm a spirit. Me, I'm, I love God. I love the things of God. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And then it lists, I list the different uh, works of the flesh. So I think you should be able to slide that now. So we're, we're, we didn't get a chance to practice this. There we go. So, and if you pinch it, it'll get a little bit bigger. So uh, as on, on plastic, on acetate, uh, overhead projector sheets, I started drawing, and this is, not, this is a web version, so it's not very clear. I, I, I drew a, a smoke detector. You can see it in the guy's head. Because God's cleansed my conscience with the blood of Jesus. So now my, my alarm, whenever I think of doing something wrong or uh, feel drawn even by my flesh to do something wrong, my conscience serves me. It's a profound tool, warns me, lets me know. And that always works. It, 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 it's so true. It's so sure. And then I'm in the process of having my mind renewed. That's a, that's a lifelong process. My spirit is complete. It's a new creation. But my mind is being renewed by the word of God. My soul is being saved. Uh, he's put within me a fear of the Lord. He's given me a, a hope as an anchor in my soul. He's written his law on my heart. And you could say the same thing. He's done all this for you as well. So I'm just putting in the personal present tense for myself. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. That's my authority. He's put an anointing within that allows me to understand whether something is theologically right or wrong before my head even understands the theology. He's put that in me as a new baby Christian so I wouldn't be deceived. I'd always know something is off because of the anointing within, before my theology develops. He's uh, given me the fruit of the Spirit. That's, I believe it's not the Holy Spirit. I believe it's the Spirit of Christ. These are, these are uh, pieces of his heart, pieces of who he is. And then when I was baptized as a new believer, 
I had a powerful experience with that. And that baptism, the effect of that lasted for a long time. I, I love baptism. I put a ring on the man's finger very quickly, and that's, I'm a son. I'm a, I'm a son of God, which is absolutely amazing to me that I'm a son of God. I listed the fruit of the Spirit down the side, and I'm writing on plastic as fast as I can go. I'm blameless. I'm, I'm sanctified. I'm justified, just as if I never sinned. I mean, no one has provided anything as amazing as that, that me, from my background and, and everything, I, I can stand before God sanctified. I can stand. I, I'm holy. It's an amazing miracle that God has created then God works in me both to will and to do his good pleasure. So I can't even take credit for the good things I do because it's really him gracing me. It's him working in me to even want to do good. That comes from him. I have a covenant with God. He leads me into all truth. I'm pastored by Jesus. One of the most amazing miracles is I've been translated by the from the power of darkness under that dominion into the kingdom of his dear son. That's an amazing miracle that has happened. And so I just started writing this out. Go to the next slide now. In 1 Peter, it talks about manifold grace. It's a word we don't use very much. It's not manifold like on your car. It's, it's uh, manifold, when I looked it up, it's, it's almost like a diamond. A diamond would have different sides to it. It's not one-dimensional. So we think of everything as being one-dimensional. But grace, boy, grace is... If someone says, what's grace? And you said the unmerited favor of God. That would only be one dimension. There's more dimensions to it. If you say, what's grace? You say, well, that's the gifts of spirit. Well, that's, that's true, but that's only one dimension. There's many dimensions to the grace of God. And, and when I looked it up in one uh, dictionary, Greek dictionary, it said many-hued. And I realized Joseph was given a coat of many colors by his father to show him his favor. And, and, and David had all his daughters, all the king's daughters were clothed in coats of many colors. I realized I, I, ha, I, I have a coat of many colors, too. It was given to me by my father, and it's many-hued. And so I got out my markers and I, on that plastic. I started shading this guy in with, uh, I mean, on this little computer here, I don't know how many millions of colors that it can produce out of four basic colors. It's almost endless when you just layer them together and, and grace for you and for me, is almost endless. It's amazing. It's a great way to describe it. Think about this. I've been given access to the throne of God, that I can go to him anytime to find grace and mercy in a time of need. I mean, if I went to Washington, D.C., which we'll do in another next month sometime, I won't get to see anybody down there. They won't open their door to me. If I went to the Queen of England and said, I want to talk to the Queen, I'd get nowhere. Yet my God will come to my kitchen sink. He'll come to my garage. He'll come when I'm out on my tractor. He'll come to me so many times when he sits beside me in the car as we travel. And I can ask him anything, talk, talk to him about anything. I've been given access to the most amazing thing. I've been given the name of Jesus. That's like, that's, like giving, that's like giving someone the biggest credit card you can ever possibly get. That 
isn't just for buying things. It's for anything that you have need of. And Jesus said, whatsoever you ask in my name, I will do it. Powerful, powerful grace. I didn't earn that. It was just given. It was just part of the package. It's part of the new man. You're an awesome being, an amazing being. You're a new species of being. Nothing like you has ever been created before. Nothing like you exists before. Not the angels, uh, anything God created. You're a new species of being. The Spirit is always interceding. Jesus is always interceding for me. Something about Jesus is praying for you and praying for me. He hasn't quit. You may have quit. You may have withdrawn your, your prayers, but he is praying for you. He is interceding. He's like a lawyer who's always working on your behalf. And then I'm a joint heir with Jesus. That blows my mind that that. God gave everything to Jesus, then Jesus turns around and gives everything to us and says that we're not just, we're not just uh, adopted in. We're given the complete same standing that God gave Jesus. We are joint heirs with him. God's always drawn me to himself. It's not me pulling myself up by my bootstraps. It's his drawing grace. I, I, I desperately need that. There's a cloud of witnesses, and what that helped me, the way I understand that is I couldn't, I've never been a Christian before. I've never been as far as I am now before. The only way I know where I'm going, the only way I know what it's like is people have gone on before me, and I can read their biographies and read their testimonies and read in church history, and, and people today who are breaking out in ways that I've never even dreamt about, I read their stories, I hear their testimonies, and they, they make up a cloud of witnesses that provoke me to go forward. I have the body of Christ. I, I can't tell you what that means to me. The next one is the Bible. We'll come back to that. The love of the brotherhood. When I was about 18 years old, I, I sold everything I had, and I, and I decided to move to Vancouver, Canada. Just a new beginning. Just wanted a new start. Picked up everything and moved out there. My uncle, who was a pastor, he met with me before that happened. He said, look, if you ever get in trouble out there, you need anything at all, you call a church and, you'll, and they'll help you. And I remember thinking about that a lot. How could he, how could he know that? It's Vancouver. How, how would he know that a church would do that? Well, since then, I realized he, what he was talking about is the brotherhood. You can break down in any town. And there's people there that know the Lord, and they would treat you like family. They would, they would be there. They would help you. They would do anything, give you anything you need. I, I've done this. I've experienced this all over the world. It's a profound thing. This brotherhood is one of the most amazing things. Forget AAA. Forget, forget any of the clubs that you join. It's the brotherhood. Did we lose it? There we go. Then the Bible. You have a Bible. Do you realize that not that long ago, it was illegal to have a Bible in English? It had to be in Latin, and it was chained to a desk. It was be a great big handwritten Bible, and they would only produce, you know, a two or three a year. They'd have these guys translating it and writing it out with a quill pen. And so they were so expensive and so rare, and so the people were ignorant. They didn't know anything about the Bible, and the priest could get up and, and make up anything say anything and, and, and impose it on people. But then something happened. This young guy got this vision 
of actually writing the Bible in England, in English, and he had to leave the country. He, he lost his country. He, he never saw his country again and would translate the Bible into English and they would smuggle it into England and they killed him for it. And anyone that they found with an English Bible, they, they beheaded, they killed them. Even King James, his wife, had a Bible up her dress. She'd walk with him, and she had a Bible on her, but she couldn't even tell him because it was illegal. But once people got their Bible, I remember Yuri and Ida telling me their story when they first found their Bible, and they, first, they couldn't put it down. They couldn't stop reading it. It's an amazing thing. But I don't have one Bible. I have dozens of Bibles. I have, Bi I have more Bibles on my phone than most people have ever seen. Talk about grace. People died for us to have a Bible that we can read anytime, anywhere, and it wasn't chained to some old pulpit. I've got a, I've got a Bible that I keep in my car just for any time I just want to meditate. I could just pull out a little, little Bible and meditate. I mean, just I buy, I Bible stashed everywhere. I'm an incredibly rich man. There are people in not that recent, not that distant history. If they knew how many Bibles I'd have, I mean, even going to other countries, they would just be so envious. They would just say, how do, how are you, how'd you get so rich? It's a shame not to read it when it's been purchased with such an incredible price. We're co-laborers with God. That's not, that's not, my dad used to, when we were kids, he'd set us on our lap and he'd, let us think we're driving, but he had his big thumb on the wheel and his feet working the pedals. We weren't doing anything. He was just letting us think we were. Well, God's not that way. He won't do anything unless you work with him. He, he wants to work with us. He's given me a work ethic. This doesn't come from my genes. It actually is something that comes from, from living with Christ. Christ was a, always worked hard. Jesus always worked hard. I have a preordained purpose. God is not making this up. Before the world was, before anything was, God actually sat down with a, a brand new book and wrote Penn Clark on it and began furiously, delightfully writing a purpose for my life. And my whole life goal now is to find out what's in the book. It's called vision. And I keep praying and say, Lord, I want what's in the book. What did you write for me? And when you look back on your life, it should look like an architect had planned it, like it makes sense. One thing leads to another. One thing, it, your life should work. It shouldn't look like it was written by a drunken sailor where you're all over the place. It should make sense. He's given me creativity. He's the God of never-ending encouragement. That's worth everything to me. <laughs> Talk about grace. He knew I'd never been a Christian before. He knew I'd never been this way before. He said, here's what I'll do. In Romans, he writes this from Romans. He says, I'll tell you what I'll do. Here's the deal. Even when you sincerely miss it, I'll make all things work together for your good. So it'd be for your, for your benefit. <laughs> what, a, <clears throat> what an incredible insurance plan that is. I'll work it out so that even if, even if you miss it, I'll turn it around and it'll help you. Spirit's interceding for us, join there with Jesus. God's drawn us. He's given me, it's God who grants me repentance. God chastens me. We're going to be talking about this more, and we're going to talk about child discipline as well. 
God, God, God doesn't let me get away with anything. He disciplines me. I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful that he doesn't leave me to myself. I would just, I would have wrecked my life so severely. But I, I have a fear of God and I have fear is chasing. Yet I'm not afraid in the sense that I cringe. I, 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 his mercy is such that I actually can embrace this chastening because he loves me so much. He's given me sound judgment, access to wisdom. I mean, wisdom come out in the street and says, here I am, come and take me. Come and get, you can choose choose wisdom above silver, above gold, above everything else. Come. And so when I was a young Christian, every day, many times during the day, Lord, I need wisdom. I need wisdom. People often remark about my wisdom. Well, I, I have to say this just point blank. I don't, I don't have any wisdom in myself. All I know is I prayed a lot for wisdom, and God's just graced me. And he'll do the same thing for you. It's available. Wisdom is beckoning people to come in. Come on in. Come and get wisdom. Choose it. Take it above everything else. It's giving me discretion and understanding. The mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. It's not the intellect of Christ or how smart he was. It's the same motivation. It's the same intention. The mind of Christ. And beyond that, he's made me a king. He's made me a priest. Angels serve me. Angels are assigned to not just protect me, but also to serve me. The power of praise. We, we, I, there's different times I don't know what's up. I don't know what's down. I don't know what's going on. My head's being boxed around. There's times I just feel like I'm drowning in a sea of darkness, and I'll start to worship the Lord, and it's like strapping on a life jacket. All of a sudden, I find buoyancy. I come back up. I can breathe again. I can't tell you the wonder of praise, especially when you're going through a hard time. Then there's been visions and dreams. I haven't had many of these, but the ones I've had have changed my whole life. I'm just so grateful for that. He's put integrity in my heart to guide me and protect me. He's given me humility. <clears throat> I, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be anywhere where God has led me. I wouldn't without a helpmate, without someone who believes in me and, and, and loves me unconditionally and is there for me and praying for me. I couldn't, I couldn't pastor I couldn't do anything that I do, go overseas. I couldn't write. I couldn't do any of the stuff I do without Heather. She's just been a gift from God to me. And then he's given us the gift of celibacy. Hallelujah. Anyone claiming that gift? Paul listed it as a, as a gift, and it's a real gift. It's the real deal. Look at all the grace. I mean, I just started writing. I couldn't stop writing. Want to take us to the next one, Nelson? Ah, oh, the armor of God. I don't think of it in terms of Roman armor. I mean, Paul was using that as a way to capture people's attention. But I'm just so grateful that I, God has, has a way to protect me, has given me an understanding of salvation. The salvation is nothing. It's not one-dimensional. You can't lose it. It's tougher than any trampoline you know, you've ever been on. It's not something you can lose in your sleep. It's profound. It's a wonderful thing. And the more I understand about my salvation, the less the devil can play with my head. The more I understand how salvation happens, the basis of my salvation, what I can and cannot do, what he can and cannot do, and what God will and will not do. The more I understand that, the, it takes the bounce out of my life. I'm not, I'm not having the high, extreme highs and the low lows. You can start walking with 
balance and poise because I'm understanding the concept of salvation. He's made me right with him as a gift. Uh, God just clothed me with his own righteousness, the righteousness of Christ, so that he can look at me and turn his face toward me and answer my prayers, not based on my being right and doing everything right. Because if you're like me, I'll do, I'll do nine things right, get one thing wrong, and it scrubs the nine. I can't seem to get ahead in, in terms of my own righteousness. But I've learned to just embrace his gift of righteousness while I'm walking out my righteousness, while I'm doing it. It's almost like, like he's saying, you're covered, just keep walking, keep doing what's right, but I'll treat you as if you're righteous with me. What a gift. What an amazing gift. Shield of faith and the, and the, the idea that to, faith is, um, the way it's described, is as big as a door. It actually worked like a door. Faith. Faith to stop the enemy. Uh, I was praying for a lady one time, and she was weeping, and she, she, was, all, she was a wreck, right, getting ready to go on a mission field, go on a mission trip, and she was really being played with by the enemy. But when I laid hands on her, I saw her shield laying off to the side, and I saw her sword stuck in the dirt, and she was just, the enemy was just buffeting her. And when I saw that, I said, pick up your shield of faith. Pick it up. Take a hold of it. It's the spirit sword. It's not my sword. I'm not clever enough to wield it. And it's not memory verses that I put away. But in the moment, the spirit will bring to my mind something that Jesus said or some verse that will deliver me, some verse that I can offensively stop, effectively stop the enemy. And her sword was stuck in the dirt and her shield was off to the side. She wasn't even using it. When I coached her to pick it up and stand by faith and go after this thing, it changed everything for her. I never forgot that because you can have all these things in provision. All of this is provisional. All of this has been given. But we can neglect it. We can, we can abandon it. We can forget it. We can not utilize it. And the belt of truth, again, I think that has to do with integrity. Sword of the Spirit. Gospel of peace. Gospel of peace has been one of the most delicious things I've seen. Anytime I try to reconcile man to God, God to man, or reconcile marriages, or reconcile broken relationships, and I've had a whole string of them in my life as well where people who used to like me don't like me anymore, and I've had, I've had people who I could never get I could never uh, 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 get their approval. Uh, there's enmity that's between us. And if I can just walk in this thing where I, I intentionally try to reconcile and I look them in the face and I greet them and I call them by name and, and, and I'm believing God for restoration for something that is marred, that's broken, I just see it all the time. I just see incredible restoration of relationships all the time. I'm committed to it. I want everywhere I walk, I don't want division, strife, and broken relationships and divorced relationships. I want reconciliation. And it's part of the armor of God because the enemy just wants to wreck your life. He wants to, he wants to mar every relationship you have. He wants, and, and if your relationships are broken, you don't feel happy spiritually. It's hard to find that joy. It's hard to tap into stuff. If my marriage isn't going well, I don't feel spiritual. But, 
through the grace of God, it's powerful. It's possible to actually walk. And in your wake, every step you take, it's reconciliation. It's the gospel of peace. It's people coming back together. I can't tell you how good, how satisfying that has been in my life. It's been a, a major for me. It's something I, I must have. Else? Oh, then there's the baptism of the Spirit. <laughs> it's grace upon grace, gift upon gift, blessing upon blessing. I, I didn't deserve any of this. I mean, it, just to have the ring on my finger, just to be called a son would have been enough by itself. And then beyond that, me, a Gentile, so far from God, he baptizes me with the powerful Holy Spirit. What a game changer that is. A power that helps me to walk this thing out and helps me to set other people free and helps me to get other people turned on to God. There's nothing like it. It's, it's one of the most wonderful graces that has ever happened to me. But it didn't stop there. Then there's the gifts of spirit. There's nine of them. And, and then there's different callings, different uh, graces that help me to do administration and gifts and leadership and uh, having a teaching disposition plus a, a, a calling of teacher. They're different. Giving, mercy, serving, all these things, exhortation. These are all powerful things that God has made available that, that we can tap into. If you press into it, you don't know what he's going to give you. But you can even have these in combination. I, I'm a teacher. I'm an apostolic pastor. I see what I'm, I've been a, de a deacon. I've been a bishop. You can have these things in, in uh, combinations. It's almost like an endless combination. Who knows? Who knows what grace you have? Who knows what gift you have? Who knows what you'll be called to unless you press in? There's signs, wonders, Divers miracles, and then gifts of the Holy Spirit. Talk about a power package. It's not even just the gifts of the Spirit. If it was just that, it would be awesome. But beyond that, there's signs and wonders and working of miracles. It's almost endless. Look at the list. It just goes on and on and on. It's grace upon grace, gift upon gift, heaped up, layered up. Then he's given me the, the ability, the power, to actually impart gifts to other people. I can lay hands on people, and as the Spirit wills, if he shows me to do it, the gifts that I have within me can be actually imparted to other people. That can happen. That's an amazing thing to me. He's given me power over the power of the devil. Mark 16 says that if I drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt me. If I take up a serpent, it won't kill me. It's part of the power of God. It's part of his power package that you can go places. You don't, have to, you don't have to be insured to the hilt for everything. You need to rest in the Lord and trust him that he'll provide everything that you need, including your protection. Then he's giving me an anointing. I didn't even mention that. That's the first one up there. You are awesome. This is, this is potentially all of us can look like this new man. I, and the most amazing thing is when you apply the grace that he's put in your life, you look different than me. Your grace won't look the same as my grace. It's like our fingerprint. It's like our, 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 uh, our, our, our eyeball. 
each one of them is different. It's like every tree, every leaf has a different, no, leaf, no two leaves are the same, no two acorns are the same, no two snowflakes are the same. And when God graces you, it looks different on you than it looks on me, yet it's all the same combination of colors. Isn't it an amazing thing? Grace upon grace. This is part of the new man. This is all part of the new creation that God has created. And the goal is to become what you are. You are something, but it won't happen unless you appropriate it. It won't happen unless you press in for it. It won't happen unless you receive it. There has to be some kind of, you can't just automatically dial this stuff up. There has to be, it has to come out of some kind of relationship with our Father in heaven. But the goal is to become what you are. And this is a lifetime of pursuit. There's no end to it. It goes on, kind of like the sermon, goes on and on and on. Next slide. We're going to stop here in just a minute. So anyway, this is kind of like everything just kind of written out on one page. And I, I did this. The first one was fast and furious, kind of in a drunken, spiritual drunken state. And then I cleaned it up a bit. And this might be the third version or so, but that's you. You're a new man. Remember I said you're better than Darth Vader. Look at this. No wonder the devil's afraid. No wonder he's intimidated. No wonder he, he's the one that flees. It's not you. It's not you in your flesh. It's not you bumbling. It's you the way God's created you. How do you see yourself? How do you see you? Do you see yourself as a Mennonite? As a woman? As, as a poor person? As a white person? African-American person? How do you see yourself? Something about the new man... When Paul started writing about it, he said, look, here's the thing about the new man. There's no, there's no gender. He wrote to the Galatians and he said that the new man, there's neither male nor female. That's, that's why the question of whether women can preach is so stupid. Because <laughs> it's, there's not a male version of the new man and then a female version of the new man. You are, you are either a new man or you're not. question that a woman the woman could serve and, and tap into any of the gifts or any of the graces or any of the callings is absurd when we think of the new man that white people are better than black people or brown people is crazy in light of the new man what what difference does any of that make so paul he writes he says the new man there's neither barbarian scythian he's not jewish he's not gentile it's above culture. It's above, listen, it's above Mennonite culture. The new man's not about culture. And he says, bond or free. It's not, it's not about your status. It's not about your, social, your standing in society. That's why you can come to church and the guy next to you, he could be poor. And the guy next to you could be incredibly rich. 
And it means nothing. It means absolutely nothing because it's the new man that means everything. So it's not about color. It's not about race. It's not about gender. Isn't that liberating? That's the most liberating thing. That's why every revival movement has just been liberating in all of those issues because they just got so focused on the new man and what, what Christ has provided, what Christ has done. All those, all those things just simply fall away. They become the, the people who major on those things, who make those things the big thing, they just don't, they, they don't, have, a, they don't have a vision. They have no concept. Maybe they're not even born again. Maybe, they don't even, maybe they're not appreciative of how much grace we've been given. And what do you have that you, that you were not given? What makes you different from another? How can you reject someone else? How can you marginalize them and, and, and put them off? How can you reject them? What do you have that you haven't been given? Yet somehow we take it as we're superior because we have, we have some stuff cooking. Well, where did you get that? If you're really honest about it, you realize you were vanilla. You had nothing, and God just sprinkled you with all kinds of stuff that you didn't have before. It's all about the new man. This is the spirit part of us. How do you see yourself? Are you broken? Are you empty? Are you valueless? Are you useless? You have no place? No grace to offer? Nothing to bring to the table? Are you broke in terms of grace? Are you rejected by God? Or the way I've seen myself for a long time, and I, this has been a, a struggle. I, I'm getting better at it, but it's, I'm not completely free. I'll see my old flesh. I'll see my old man squawking and demanding and bent out of shape about something. He gets angry so easy, and he's so proud, and he's so lustful, dirty-minded, and all of that. And I'll see that side of him beating in me, and I'll conclude wrongfully that that's me. And then when I set my eyes on him, I don't feel spiritual. I don't feel like I can pray. I don't feel like I can approach, <clears throat> approach God for anything because of the way he is. I don't like him. Why would God like him? <laughs> I don't want to talk to him. I don't want anything to do with him. Why would God want to spend any time with him or talk with him? And if I can shift my eyes onto the new creation so Paul, when he was writing to Gentiles, brand new, brand new out-of-the-box Christians, he started writing, he says, put off the old man, no more lying. Put off the old man and his deeds. Put on the new man. That's a moment-by-moment, decision-by-decision, day-by-day, issue-by-issue kind of choice that you can make, that you put on the new man, that you have something to draw from that comes from grace. But you have to decide which part of you is going to rule, which part of you is going to have its way, which part of you is going to run your life. 
I spend a lot of my time saying, no, I, if I go with what you're saying, I'll be embarrassed, I'll be ashamed, I'll end up repenting, I'm, I'll end up having to back out of that mess. I'm saying no to you. Let me just stop right here for a second. Picture a fork in the road. And you can go one way or the other. And before you go down either road, if you stop and say, I know what my flesh wants me to do, but if I go that way, it'll wreck my life. Everything I've worked hard for, I'll lose it. I'll be embarrassed. I'll be ashamed. I'll be caught. There's no way to not be caught. And so you think, it all just takes parts of a second just to calculate what will happen if you go down that fork. If you go down this fork where you yield to your spirit, he says, you'll have life. You'll feel alive. You'll feel clean and lean and you fit and you feel, you feel strong. And now you're up, you're up and you got something to give away and you got something to help other people who are struggling. And all it takes is just every, every day, many times a day, I'm at a fork in the road. I have to decide which way I'm going to go. I'm going to yield to my flesh. I know where that's going to go. It's going to lead me to destruction, to death. I hate death. I hate the feeling of death. I hate the, the feeling of death in my soul. So I have to back up and say, nah, I've had enough death. I don't want to go down that road. And so I'm, in the, I'm at the fork, and I can decide to yield to my spirit, tap into more of the spiritual man, pull grace that I need to get going, to get forward, and I can decide in a, in a moment which direction I'll go. And listen, you always have the choice. You can't be forced. No one can make you. No one can do The devil can't make you. Your flesh can't make you. It's not in dominion of you. You can decide in his side moment by moment, but it's really a fork in the road. That illustration has helped me just to decide, okay, I know if I yield, I know where that's going to end up. I'll be caught. There's no way. There's a thing called the law of exposure. There's no way that I can't be caught. So I don't want to go down that road. And it helps me to pull out and decide to go into a different direction. Is this helpful? It's a vision. Let's stand together.